The Detroit Tigers play another televised spring training game, so we're going to break that game down as well as do a player preview on Joey Wentz. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. All righty, we are back. Uh, glad to be back yet again. Uh, the Tigers played a spring training game. Ow, got some in my eye. Uh, Tigers played a spring training game on Tuesday afternoon in Florida against the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think that there's quite a bit to talk about involving that game. So we're going to take the first segment, maybe even bleed into the second segment a little bit. But we'll take the beginning of the show and recap the previous day's spring training game and just news and notes from that game. Uh, if it's not televised, there will be a lot less to talk about. If it is televised, there will be a lot more to talk about. And then after that, we will continue our player preview series, and that's probably how most of the rest of spring training is going to go. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit of, uh, of world baseball classic. I almost said winter baseball classic. Uh, the WBC coming up here soon, so... Uh, we'll have all of that info and such as well. But that's probably how the rest of spring training is going to look. So, speaking of that, the Tigers do lose a ball game to the Toronto Blue Jays on Tuesday. I had somebody ask me over the weekend, I want to say. No, no, I think it might have been yesterday. Regardless, someone asked me why I was not really caring about the wins and losses in spring training. And I, I would just say, I don't think you should either. I don't think anyone should care about record or wins and losses in spring training. Like, yes, the Tigers had a horrible inning in that game against Baltimore. Like, guess what? Odds are pretty good. Nobody that pitched in that inning is going to be on the Major League Baseball team. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, it's really hard to, to really, for me personally, I guess, to care about wins and losses in spring training. I, I care about individual performances, position battles, absolutely. It's it's vital for, for those position battles and, and open roster spots for the taking and such. But I really could not care less. I could not care less. Yeah, I said that right. About wins and losses in spring ball. So just want to start with that. But the Tigers do lose this ball game. Kind of tried to come back a little bit at the end, but it fell short. Uh, some news and notes that I, not news and notes, some observations, that's the word, that I had. Austin Meadows' swing, I think, looks a million times better, really, than it ever did last year. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday, so I don't have too much more to add. But it's just something, again, that was very apparent to me when watching the ball game on Tuesday. And I just, I felt like reiterating that point. He, his swing looks a lot more solid, a lot less flimsy. He looks, I think he looks really good. And I'm really, really excited for what Austin Meadows can put together this season. 
In the same breath, Parker Meadows had a really nice hit, hard hit ball down the right field line on an 0-2 count against a lefty, which in a vacuum is just one pitch that he did well on, which is, you know, fair enough. And it's very small sample size and whatnot. But last year, he really struggled against lefties. And in that same at bat, he actually went chasing on a breaking ball low and away. Uh, So that's something that he's very clearly still working on is being effective against left-handed pitching. But it was nice to see a hard hit ball uh, on an 0-2 count against the lefty, just considering really as a professional period, he has not hit very well against left-handed pitching at all. So nice to see Uh, Nick Maton, I thought was borderline the story of this game. Uh, Definitely one of two. Uh, He had a great game. Full count walk to start off the ball game. Had a really good base running. Went first to third on a on a not very – it was a ground ball single, actually, by Riley Green there right after him in the first inning. Uh, went first to third on that, and then Javi Baez, sack fly, brought Maton home. So, uh, really nice base running there. And then in the bottom of the first, had a really nice diving play on a ground ball and then got the runner at first. So, Really, really solid game for Nick Maton. Now, the, the biggest thing for him is going to be, can he hit lefties as well? We are very aware that he can hit righties well, but uh, we, we got to see how he fares against lefties. And we also have to continue to see him develop defensively. Uh, I think that there's a, there is nothing set in stone or solidified about the third base job right now on Wednesday, March 1st, okay? But... If you were to ask me today, who's got the best odds? What's the clubhouse leader for opening day third baseman? I'd probably tell you Nick Maton. But that doesn't mean that that's not a very fluid situation that couldn't change three times from now until Friday, nonetheless, now until opening day. Okay, so a lot of time left. But uh, definitely, as it stands right now, I think he's had had the homer uh, in one of the non-televised games earlier in the week. So really, really nice start for Mayton this spring. Donnie Sands, I think was obviously both part of the same trade there, him and Mayton. I think that he was another storyline in this one, not necessarily for the best of reasons like Mayton. Not that I thought that Sands was, was terrible or anything, uh, but Toronto very clearly was down to just run all over him on the base paths. Uh, they stole second four times just in the amount of time that Sands was in the game, which I think was about half of the ball game. Uh, and he got the first one, strike him out, throw him out in the first inning. Really nice play. Beautiful throw. It, was, it wasn't the hardest thrown ball you've ever seen from behind the plate, but spot on accuracy wise, got Bo Bichette trying to steal. And then after that, the next one was also really close, but it was safe. And then the last two were nowhere close to anything. One, he threw into center field. The other one was uh, honestly not too far off from that either. So uh, really just made it apparent that, that Toronto felt very comfortable running. I don't know if that was a Sands thing specifically, or if they just wanted to get their players used to stealing bases because they're going to be a lot more, uh, aggressive on the base pass with all of the incentive to to steal a little bit more. But with that incentive to steal a little bit more, the backup catcher job, uh, I think undeniably how good you are at throwing runners out from behind the plate is going to play a huge factor. And if Sands isn't going to be that guy, that's going to play a, a big factor in, in that battle between him and Jake Rogers for uh backup catcher. And 
Uh, I think really the only way that, because he's not just magically going to get a, a Lance Parrish cannon, right? So, like, I think, honestly, the, the only thing that he's going to be able to do to really force the Tigers' hand and make the team out of camp is just if he mashes in spring. He's just going to have to hit his way onto the roster um, because I, I think even post-TJ, it's pretty clear that Jake Rogers is going to have the advantage when it comes to maybe not all facets facets of defense. Sands is a really good pitch framer for whatever that's worth still in 2023. I know a couple of years from now that might not matter much either, but um, I, I think Sands is key to being on this roster is really going to have to be hitting the baseball and that, that framing obviously will come into to effect as well. Okay. And Rogers had a Homer or he had a strikeout in this one, but he had a Homer a couple of games ago as well for whatever that's worth. Alex Fiedo pitched in this one. Uh, I thought that that was worth bringing up. His slider looked really good. Still some command stuff, but it's his first inning of the spring. So we'll let it slide for pretty much everybody at this point. And yeah, I, I was just, I was really impressed with how good the slider still looks. Still got some people fishing. Uh, when it's located well, that thing, I mean, ever since college, right? Like we remember Alex Fido when he was a Florida Gator, one of the best college pitching rotations I've ever seen in my life. And he was the ace of that team, his draft year. So uh, just, uh, and it's all really because of that slider and that slider fastball mix. Uh, I think slowly, especially as the Tigers get more and more pitching depth, they're probably going to lean and steer more in the direction of Fiedo being a, a reliever, even if that is a multi-inning reliever, but he proved everybody wrong last year and had some really effective starts. So we'll see what happens this upcoming season, but a decent start to his campaign. Uh, okay, I got a few more names I want to bring up, and then we'll get into the Joey Wentz player breakdown. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at, you guessed it, FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and it is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, you can just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything. The money line, point scores, three-pointers made, etc. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine bets for a chance at bigger payouts with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, everybody, welcome back. Segment two here, Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. So we're just recapping this uh, this spring training loss to the Toronto Blue Jays. Another player, that's the word, goodness, that I wanted to bring up in this one was Andre Lipsius. Uh, they, the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the Blue Jays broadcast team could not say Andre Lipsius' last name uh, for, for the life of them, but I really, I greatly appreciate the effort. And those are obviously the, we're talking about minor leaguers for teams that aren't the teams that they cover. So, uh, no hard feelings or, or anything like that, but it was just, it was really funny. Uh, you know, he's found some success early on and Lipsius is a guy that last year, just, I think he fits the Scott Harris mold really well. He just walks a boatload. He has, 
just crazy good patience and crazy good walk numbers. And last year in the lower, well, mid levels of the minors, double uh, A at one point in the season and, and well, for a majority of the season, rather, uh, finally found a, a little bit of success in the balls he was putting in play as well, because the walk numbers have kind of always been there. And so I, I have always been a huge fan of him just for that reason. I love hitters that walk. You guys know that. And so it's nice for me just to see him succeed early on. He's got a couple of knocks. He went yard, uh, not today, but earlier in the spring. So uh, I'm loving it. I don't think he's going to make the team out of camp or anything, uh, but he also got a look at first base at the end of the game. So uh, maybe trying him in, in some different positions, raise his versatility. If he can play third, second, first, I mean, that would certainly help his odds of getting on the roster at some point this season as well. So big fan of what I've seen from Lipsius so far. Zach Short, somebody I wanted to bring up. Um, uh, he's been just a, co- a topic of conversation for really the entire offseason because a lot of people were kind of blown away at the fact that he made this roster and, well, not made the, that he remained on the 40 man roster throughout the offseason, rather. And uh, we kind of talked about it a few weeks ago, if you're like an everyday listener. So, uh, just the, the fact that he draws a lot of walks and is versatile and is a net zero at worst defender at multiple positions kind of fits the mold of what Scott Harris is building, even though I, I know he's going to have a batting average under 200 if he plays a full season in the majors. I totally get it. I, I'm not a huge Zach Short is is amazing guy or anything, but he does fit the mold a little bit for depth pieces. Now, this is all to say I, he did not have a very good game in uh on Tuesday against Toronto and I I think that even with all of that being said and those points that I've made again earlier in the offseason about why I think he's still here I don't think that it's like Zach Short is guaranteed to be on the 40 man like forever you know what I mean or like not forever that (laughs) forever yes but he's not guaranteed to be on the 40 man even on opening day I I guess my point is if he has a really bad spring training it would not shock me at all if he was waived or DFA'd or you know removed from the 40 man in some capacity Um, so I I just wanted to throw that out there as well just with the game that he had and then lastly I think the only other point I have is Joey Wentz himself Yeah, Joey Wentz is the only player left. So we'll just transition into Wentz's game on Tuesday against Toronto. And then with that, we will talk about the the, the player breakdown and kind of what to expect out of him this season. So on Tuesday, first appearance of spring training for Wentz, he threw the curveball a lot more than we've really ever seen him throw in a single outing. He threw 36 pitches and 10 of them were curveballs last year we'll get to his usage when we do the player profile but last year his curveball usage was under 10 percent, and this game was almost 30 I know it's only two innings but still it was pretty pretty noticeable that he kept going to the well there with it uh it was also really well located he got a lot of called strikes on it got a whiff on it uh not a single curveball of all 10 was put in play uh only one was even made contact with and it was fouled off so uh, that's something that I'm going to really pay attention to as the spring goes on, because I loved how it looked on Tuesday, loved how it looked. I thought the shape was beautiful. He threw one to Vlad though. The one that was fouled off was to Vlad jr. And it set up a strikeout in the very next pitch when he went heat up. 
and it was a curveball like at at his just below Vladdy's kneecaps, and and it was just beautiful, beautiful like soft contact, perfectly located, I think. Uh, and and I, I really, really liked the shape and the velo of it today. So if that's what the curveball is going to look like, I'm going to have pretty high hopes for Joey Wentz this season. And so that was my biggest takeaway easily was just the curve. Um, but he had solid velo all around. Uh, I thought the four-seam fastball, he had some command issues when it, with it, especially at the end of the outing because uh, he had a, a, a shutout. I know only two innings, but he had a shutout going through an inning and a third. Um, and then toward the end there, he had a hard time kind of getting out of the second inning. So, and gave up some hard contact with the four seamer. I think it, the, the, the fastball for him was either missing the zone completely, or it was catching the heart of the plate. He was having a hard time kind of trimming the edges there and, and, and shadow pitching it. So that was something that was noticeable. And then the last thing was, I, I liked the cutter as well when it was good. <laughs> okay. And I'm like half joking when I say that, but he threw a couple of cutters that I thought were placed horribly, and I think they were just spots that were missed. And he threw a couple of cutters that I really liked. So uh, I think that that – and that was his, like, bread and butter swing and miss pitch last year. So uh, just important to note where that pitch stands as of, well, February 28th when when uh, when he pitched. So uh, that, that was pretty much all I took out of it. Again, only two innings, 36 pitches. Uh, certainly wasn't a, an awful performance, even though it was two runs and two innings. The first inning, he was kind of cruising. I thought he looked pretty solid. But the biggest thing is the curveball. Really, really liked it. I think with some sequencing adjustments, too, if he because he didn't throw the changeup very much, and he threw that a decent amount last year. So with some sequencing stuff, if he wants to be a primarily like cutter curveball guy that can maybe keep hitters honest with an occasional four-seam fastball and changeup, I wouldn't mind that at all. I think that's a really solid repertoire for him. Especially, again, if the stuff looked like it did today. Okay? Cool. Let's get into the breakdown then. So, last season, Wentz in 32 and two-thirds innings pitch. That was all. That was it. It was seven starts. He had a 3.03 ERA. Uh, that's an expected ERA of 3.62 and a FIP of 3.54. So, a little bit higher than his ERA, but not too much. Around, you know, Still around a, a three-and-a-half ERA for the predictive stats there. A 7.44K per nine, that's a 20% strikeout rate, and a 9.6% walk rate, which is a three and a half, little over three and a half walk per nine. Uh, looking at his AAA numbers, where there is uh, adding to the sample size a little bit more in 48 innings, 48 and a third innings pitched in AAA last year, he had a 9.87K per nine, a 372 walk per nine, and a 317. ERA so still really solid just above three ERA a little bit better strikeout numbers to go with that as well so if you remember last season for Joey Wentz he made a couple of starts in May and he got absolutely rocked and then he came back in September and was lights out the rest of the season so he had like an ERA over eight combined in his first two starts in May Gets sent down. Had a, they were kind of limiting his just like innings in general as well, just because of uh, the you know history of Tommy John and whatnot. Went back down to AAA, and we just read off what his AAA numbers were. Then he comes back up in September in five starts to end the season. Had a one seven three ERA. Okay, so really solid stuff to end the year for him. Uh, let's get into the repertoire. The type of pitches that he's going to throw this year will kind of tie that back into what we saw in his first spring training start as well. 
And then his role on the team is obviously the big question marks. We'll talk about all of that right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment here, Locked on Tigers. Talking about Joey Wentz. So last year, he threw 55% of his pitches with a four-seam fastball. It's around 93, 94 miles an hour. It's almost like exactly a league average fastball, uh, velocity-wise, to be honest with you. 22% was the cutter, 13.5% changeup, and less than 10%, it was like 9.5%, was the curveball. Uh, last year for him, the cutter had comfortably the highest whiff percentage of all four of his pitches at almost 40%, very effective. Now, it's also important to note, this is just in the 32 and two-thirds innings pitch at the major league level. So it's not a very big sample size. We also saw, again, the difference between his first two starts and his last five starts. This is averaged out between all of those, uh, and we don't have these awesome numbers for what he did in AAA. So just want to make that abundantly clear. This is still only 32 and two-thirds innings pitched. So take that with whatever size grain of stalt you would like, okay? And where were we? Cutter, 40% whiff rate, really solid. Uh, on the flip side, though, it was also the cutter being, uh, was also the highest slugging percentage against. So kind of honestly really similar to what we were talking about in spring accidentally right like when when it was spotted well I thought it was a super effective pitch and it got a lot of weak contact it got some whiffs but uh on the flip side it was also hit pretty hard I think twice twice at least once I remember there's a rocket off the bat for one of the cutters so uh, something that clearly is, is still a work in progress but again I, I think with some command development and just like sequencing matters so much sequencing matters so I think that that could be something too uh, I personally this season I am looking for him to develop the curveball more I and this is not something I was going to come on here and say before watching his start on Tuesday to be honest with you but I love what I saw out of his curveball on Tuesday, so much so that I'm I'm so down for him throwing the curveball like 28% of the time, if that's what he wants to do. I thought that it was super, super effective. Um, and, and obviously, again, with all of these pitches, command is going to matter. And it was working for him on Tuesday for the most part, the curveball specifically. Uh, but that will be something that I'm sure he will have uh, hiccups in his development when it comes to command with that if he's going to just randomly start throwing it a lot more um, not randomly strategically but you get what I'm saying just a, a, a spike in usage can definitely lead to some command stuff at times so we'll see what happens there but I would love it I would love four seam like over half the time really I, I'm down to to knock the four seam usage down uh, honestly as much as he wants to if he wants to throw 20 percent less four seam fastballs I, I'm I'm signing off on that. I'm totally fine with it. And uh, I like the cutter and kind of like what I said earlier, man, like I, I really am totally okay with him throwing a lot of cutters, uh, fastballs to keep hitters honest so that they don't just know it's the cutter and then curveballs, a lot of curveballs and the changeup. We, we only saw, I think one changeup on his start Tuesday. And it was also, uh, down there kind of with the curveball on usage last year. Uh, so we're still waiting to see how much he intends on using that changeup throughout his career. But, uh, I mean, as it stands right now, I'm totally cool with 
cutter curve fastball to keep honest and a changeup once in a blue moon. I'm fine with that. In-season adjustments can happen. If if the curveball doesn't consistently look like it did on Tuesday, I'm fine with with uh, with changing that strategy at some point. But I'm I'm totally cool with that. Last year he was also pretty solid. Again, I mean ERA over three, like he really. And again, sub one eight ERA in the month of September, like in his last five starts. So definitely showed some signs. Now efficiency was a thing last year. Uh, kind of tried to nibble a little too much at times. Um, had some some starts where he had a lot of walks, and then kind of had to tightrope his way out of danger. But also had a couple of shutouts, and and had a couple of again not going super deep into ball games or anything, but. I, I really like Joey Wentz. I always have. Ever since we acquired him, I've been really high on him. I was devastated when he got Tommy John a couple of years ago, but then there was no minor league season anyway, so I guess whatever. And I'm just – I'm really excited to finally see like a full kind of hopefully somewhat no innings limit season from Wentz. I want them to just kind of take the leash off and and let's see what he can do. You know, so um, – yeah, I totally sidetracked myself there. I'm, I apologize. ADHD moment for sure. But uh, he, he was really solid from both sides of the plate, but was really, really good against lefties. Lefties had a 529 OPS against him last season. And again, his righties OPS was like in this, I think, 630-ish. So he was solid from both, but uh, really, really good against lefties, which is something that will obviously have value, especially if he is coming out of the bullpen, which will transition to now – that's a professional transition right there. I'm not usually very great at transitions, but that one was solid. I'm pretty proud of that one. Uh, the, the role on the team is easily going to be one of the most talked about things with Joey Wentz this year. Uh, we, you know, we talk about the different directions of that group of Wentz, Hill, Fiedo, and Brisky, that, that four. We talk about that, that four group of four all the time and how they're all kind of in a similar boat and – I think that Wentz has a very real chance of making this team. I do. If he was used as, and I said the same thing about Brisky, but I think that there's a role on this team for kind of a sixth sixth starter slash swing man type of pitcher. Uh, and, I mean, inherently, Wentz is just going to have a leg up on a lot of those other guys because he's a lefty. And Tyler Alexander is the only lefty that's guaranteed a spot in the bullpen right now. So, I think that that is is definitely something that maybe gives him a leg up. Um, if and again, like the the ability to have a six starter should not go unnoticed. Like that's something that that every team doesn't just have the luxury of. Sometimes they need it at, the, at in this day and age. No team ever anymore goes five starting pitchers, and that's just your starting five for the entire year. That just doesn't happen anymore. So you need that guy that you can call on if you want to skip somebody in the rotation one time. If they go on the 10-day and they only need a starter two out of them, you need that guy that you can go to that's kind of that swingman six-starter type. And I think that Wentz is certainly uh, trying to compete for that role along with, as we said last week, Bo Brisky, I think, is in that conversation too. And I think that Wentz and Brisky, honestly, are are – more so fighting for that role than Hill and Fiedo. I think Fiedo, again, as I said earlier, they might slowly be starting to look at him more so as a one or two inning reliever just with, I mean, it's just constant injuries is, is really unfortunate for him, but we'll see. And then Garrett Hill has the ability to start as well. Did a lot last year at a really good season in the minors, but um, I mean, 
goodness, if he's going to throw 97-mile-an-hour sinkers and 90-mile-an-hour sliders like he did in, in game one of spring training, then he maybe should be a one- or two-inning reliever as well, if that's something that he can really only reach back and access when he's in uh, in shorter stints. So we'll see what happens. But I think with, I think Wentz and Brisky are really kind of on similar playing fields as far as uh, odds of getting that kind of swingman and six-starter role. Um, and, and yeah, look, I, I, as far as how much he's going to play this year, I fully expect Joey Wentz to get a, a legitimate look in the show this year and, and make some starts as well. Uh, a lot of that is going to be dependent on the health of not only himself, obviously, but everyone else in that rotation that will largely, I think, determine how many starts he's going to end up getting. But I, I also think that it's just going to matter on how quickly they call him up. Uh, it, it, there's, if I had to guess right now, I'd say, I don't want to put like recency bias too much into it, but um, I, I would probably have Joey Wentz on my opening day roster. Not like a guaranteed thing, but, and again, we have a month of spring ball left. Like we're not even close to making those decisions yet, but that, that wouldn't shock me at all. Maybe like a 51-49 as it stands right now. And uh, that's not to say that him and Brisky both can't make the roster as well. And you could just have a ton of long relievers in there with those two and Tyler Alexander. There's a lot of different directions they can go. And I think Hinch has been very vocal about liking relievers that can go multiple innings and give them starts if needed. So having a whole bullpen full of those type of guys, I don't think is, uh, is an issue with this coaching staff or with this front office. Okay. So yeah, that that's kind of the, the rundown. I, I would say I, I am, if the season started today, I would put Wentz on my opening day roster, but we'll see how he develops throughout the spring that this is all obviously very, very fluid and, and, Opinions are going to change somewhat day-to-day for some guys. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I liked what I saw on Tuesday. Uh, I liked what I saw last season, especially in September. That's a pretty decent sample size at this point. Uh, He's been solid in the minors pretty much his entire Tigers tenure. Um, And, yeah, I think a lot of people are really excited about what Wentz could potentially do for the team this year. So pumped. I'm pumped. So glad to be watching baseball again. I'm like tweeting out, you know, like analysis and player breakdowns and stuff. And it's been, it's been a long time without being able to do that. So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad to be back on the grind baseball every day. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. Thank you for making lockdown tigers. Your first listen every single day for your next listen, check on the lockdown fantasy baseball podcast, win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies Find Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, just like us, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. I think that will do it. I don't think I have anything else. I think that's it. We'll be back tomorrow talking about. Uh, I actually, I don't even know if tomorrow's game is televised or not. I'm not sure what the status on that is. Um, but I know, especially, well, not especially, but we're also coming up to world baseball classic. And so we'll have some players leaving the team at the end of this week to get ready for that. So that's something to keep an eye out, out for, for sure. Uh, That that's how that's I'm fine with it. Honestly, it gives more players, more opportunities at different positions. So we'll see what some of these guys can do around the diamond. All right. I don't know who the player preview is tomorrow either. I pretty much just decide based on what the events of the day. So (laughs) We'll 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 talk tomorrow. 
All right, peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.